Welcome to Turning Point. If you're not feeling the joy Christians are supposed to experience, maybe you're being robbed, and the thief just might surprise you. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, Living in the Light, by exposing the things believers do to rob themselves of joy. Are you guilty of one or more of them? Listen as David introduces today's message, The Games Christians Play. Well, welcome to December. We're in the early stages of studying the book of 1 John for the first half of this month. And then, of course, we'll finish out the month of December with all of our Christmas programming. But I want to talk to you today about something that uh, is truly amazing to me, because not only does it happen in the world around us, but it happens in the church. We deny reality. In the world, we deny that we have inflation problems, for instance. We deny that there's a a struggle at the border. We deny all of the things that we plainly see. And we go on playing that game as if there was some reward at the end of it for just totally denying reality. And then in the church, what we do is we deny the presence of sin in our lives. We deny the penalty of it. We deny all of the practical aspects of what it means not to walk with God. And while we're denying all these things, we are not fixing them. John wants to help us. He tells us that they're they're games that we play that rob our joy. And today we're going to discover how to attack those problems. But as you know, uh, December is a brand new month, and it's one of my favorite months, especially because of our resource. Our resource for the month of December is one of the most beautiful products we ever create. Every year we put together a beautiful devotional. It's covered in leather, and this year the title of the devotional is Every Day with Jesus. It's blue and tan color on every page. And I'll tell you, friends, this is just something you'll want to have. You can leave it on your coffee table and it will draw questions. Carry it with you wherever you go. I gave one of these uh, to a young lady who's actually a flight attendant. And she uh, said to me, I decided to begin reading this by finding my birthday. And I found my birthday in the book and I looked it up and And then she talked about what that meant to her. I'm not really sure where she is in her walk with the Lord, but I do know that when you put spiritual truth into the heart of someone, you are giving them hope. Make this the year when you share your faith. And uh, by the way, if you get in touch with us at our website, you can find out how to get bundles of these books, not just one for yourself, but get a whole bundle of them, and then you can share them as gifts and as um, just witnessing tools wherever you go. But during the month of December, when you send a gift of any size to Turning Point in this really important month, when we really ask you to help us, we'll send you this book if you ask for it. Just simply say to me in your correspondence or uh, however you get in touch with us, Pastor Jeremiah, please send me every day with Jesus, and it'll be on its way. And right now, let's get started with this first lesson First John chapter 1, verse 3 through chapter 2, verse 2. This is The Games Christians Play, part 1. Back in 1983, a songwriter by the name of Steve Taylor penned the words to a song entitled, I Want to Be a Clone. In the lyrics of this song, he expressed the frustration of everyone who has ever tried to be an outward Christian without truly being an inward one. Hear the words to that song. 
I'd gone through so much other stuff that walking down the aisle was tough. Now I know it's not enough. I want to be a clone. I asked the Lord into my heart. They said, that's just the way to start. Now you've got to play the part. I want to be a clone. And the chorus goes like this. Be a clone and kiss conviction goodnight. Cloneliness is next to godliness, right? I'm grateful that they showed the way because I could never know the way to serve him on my own. I want to be a clone. They told me that I've fallen away unless I followed what they say. Who needs the Bible anyway? I want to be a clone. Their language, it was new to me, but Christianese got through to me. I now speak it fluently. I want to be a clone. So now I see the whole design. My church is an assembly line. My parts are there. I'm feeling fine. I want to be a clone. I've learned enough to stay afloat, but not so much to rock the boat. I'm glad they shoved it down my throat. I want to be a clone. (laughs) Now, whatever else you might want to learn from that contemporary song, you cannot avoid the message that religion without reality is simply a game that we play. And some have become very good at this game, playing a game until something happens in their life that the game will not deal with and the starkness of reality makes them realize that there is no reality in their own walk with God. And their game is not enough to get them through. John has a very interesting way of penetrating our hearts with the truth about the reality of our walk with God. He's a very focused writer, as you will remember. He knows exactly what he wants to accomplish when he writes. As we learned when he wrote the gospel that bears his name, he explained why that book was written in these words from the 20th chapter. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, But these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ. John wrote his gospel so that we might believe. We began our study here in 1 John by exploring one of the reasons why this letter was written. And you remember John lays out clearly why he wrote 1 John. In 1 John 5.13 we read these words. These things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So we've learned a couple of things already. He wrote the Gospel of John that we might believe, and he wrote 1 John that we might know that we believe. We talked, first of all, about the importance of knowing, and we decided that it would be a good exercise for all of us if we took a little test. And we followed the clues that John left along the way. He left us some clues so that we would know how we can know. Remember, the clues in the first epistle of John are those little phrases you find throughout the book where it says born of God. And we said these are the birthmarks of a believer. Every time you see that little phrase, there's something that helps you to know what you should be doing and how you should respond as a Christian. We talked about these tests. The number one test was the faith test. What do we believe? Number two was the life test. How do we live? Number three was the love test. Do we love our brothers? Number four was the growth test. Are we overcoming more and more as we walk with the Lord? And number five was the sin test. Do we live in such a way that we are not continually practicing sin and acting like it's okay? John wrote his gospel so that we might believe. He wrote his epistle so that we might know. But today I want us to examine another reason why he wrote 1 John. And it's in another little purpose phrase that you'll find in the first chapter. So 
Open your Bibles now to 1 John chapter 1, and I want you to read with me the third and the fourth verse. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And now watch this. And these things we write to you, that your joy might be full. In other words, John is saying, I wrote this little letter so that you could have full and abundant joy in your walk with God. Now, you know what? If I realize that is his purpose, I want to read this letter. I want to know what John knows that I need to know that will help me to have full joy in my life. He wants us to know that we have eternal life, but he realizes it's possible to have knowledge about something and not have the benefit of it. His desire is that we have the fullness of joy in our lives. And this is the only time that John uses the word joy in this epistle. Let me ask you a question. How many Christians do you know who do not have any joy? Some of them look like they're a reject from a pickle factory. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) John says that he has written this little letter so that we might have full joy. Ray Steadman, who is with the Lord now and is a great Bible teacher of this generation, wrote these words. He said, perhaps it will be more helpful for us to understand what John meant if we use the word excitement in the place of joy, that your excitement may be complete. Joy is a kind of a quiet inner excitement which results when we really experience the fellowship that John is writing about. John says, God Almighty wants us to have an inner excitement about our walk with the Lord. I know some people that have it, but I know some people that don't have it because they don't understand the principles that John is going to unfold for us today. Jason Lobaxter once wrote, away with sepulchral sanctimoniousness, a religion which wears grave clothes, begs to be buried, and the sooner the funeral, the better. Jesus came to give joy, and mere religion may be somber and dowdy, but true Christianity is more than a religion. It is new life in Jesus Christ, and this new life is a life of joy. So in these few verses at the beginning of this chapter, John gives to us the secret of true joy in our life. He says that this joy is to be found in fellowship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. He speaks here of vertical and horizontal fellowship. Vertical fellowship with God and horizontal fellowship with one another. He says, in essence, that if we are in fellowship with God, we will be in fellowship with others who are in fellowship with God. Two pianos tuned to the same tuning fork are in tune with each other. And John is saying that fellowship with God is the key to our joy and fellowship with God is the key to our fellowship with one another. We have fellowship one with another. Now I wonder, do you have that joy? This is not another test, but it's just a penetrating question I ask myself. Is there an inner peace in your soul, in my soul, that carries us through even the most difficult seasons of life? John was writing to us saying, I want you to know that in a situation like this, you can have full joy in fellowship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. Now, sort of like a strategic approach to this, John is going to take us through some arguments and a little logic, and I'm going to have to move quickly, but I want you to stay with me here. He is assuming that there's a challenge here for a lot of us, that while we want to have full joy, we don't. Where are you in all of this? What's going on? Is your heart beating a little faster? You know, I hope Pastor will say something today that will help me figure this out. 
Why is it that I don't have the joy that I want to have in my life? Is the Christian life overpromised, or am I missing something? Well, once again, John is going to lay some clues along the pathway so we can figure this out. I love to study the Bible and the grammar of the Bible because if you study the grammar of the Bible, you'll figure out what's going on. Just like the phrase, born of God, helped us to understand how we can know Christ and know our salvation. He's going to use three little phrases in these next verses that will help us figure out why we might not have joy. And it's the little phrase, if we say. Look down at your Bibles and you will notice three times John says, if we say. Verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10. And these are sort of like introductory points that we don't want to miss. And I've kind of underlined that in red in my Bible. If we say. John is going to tell us that there are things that we do as Christians that rob us of the joy God wants us to have. And I'd like for us to just open our hearts to the word of God and say, Lord, you know, I'm willing for you to do your homework and your surgery in my heart. Don't get defensive about this. Don't say, well, I'm going to turn this off because, no, no. I want you to open your heart and say, Lord, God, maybe there's something here for me. Maybe this, maybe there's not, but maybe there is. That should be our spirit. What does the Lord want to say to me out of his word today? John is going to give us three things that we do as Christians that forfeit the joy in our lives. It causes us to lose our joy. And I wouldn't be surprised that some of you here today are going to find yourself in one of these three reasons. He begins by teaching us in the first part of this chapter, in verses 5 through 7, that we forfeit our joy when we deny the power of sin. We forfeit our joy when we deny the power of sin. Listen to what he says in these verses. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now watch John's argument here. He tells us, first of all, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. When John describes God as light, he is saying that God is infinitely holy, infinitely pure, infinitely righteous, and in him there is absolutely no pollution or darkness. At the center of my joy, at the center of your joy as a Christian, is our relationship with God, and it is important to know this about God. He is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's an awesome thought. He is light, and in him there is not even a speck of darkness. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, I'm already out of the game. I mean, how can I have fellowship with a God who is perfect and righteous in whom there is no darkness? We already know the answer to that question because Almighty God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the substitute for our sin. He paid the penalty for us on the cross and invited us into a fellowship with God the Father through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We cannot fellowship with God in our own righteousness. We have to fellowship with God through the righteousness of Christ, and we all have accepted that. That's why we're Christians. Now, what it means then when we learn from the word of God that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all, is that if we are going to have joy and fellowship with him and fellowship with others who are in fellowship with him, it has something to do with the light. And John tells us that one of the reasons we can lose our joy is that we forget 
that if we do not walk in the light as he is in the light, we lose our joy. We lose our sense of relationship with God. God is light and those who walk with God must walk in light as well. What does it mean when John says, if we walk in darkness? What does it mean to walk in darkness? He's not talking here about being unsaved. I don't think these are verses that have to do with not being a Christian. He's talking here to his little children. He's talking here to believers. And he is saying, listen up now. He is saying that children who are believers can walk in darkness. Can they get a witness? Isn't that true? You can be a Christian and what is darkness? Listen, the simplest way to understand that is darkness is the absence of light. Have you ever noticed that when a person begins to stray away from obedience to God and he gets into some of the darkness and starts to do some things that aren't according to the word of God, he starts avoiding light in every way possible. Where do you get light on the path? You get light from the word of God. What is it that the psalmist has written? The psalmist has written that the word of God is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. When you become a Christian and then you start to slip back into doing things that you shouldn't do and you forget about the power of sin, you begin to walk in darkness and you get away from the light. One of the first signs that you're in trouble is when you don't want to come to church anymore. Did you know that? Well, I don't think I'll go to church today. Why? Well, the guy's going to stand up there and shine the light. (laughs) He's going to stand up there and open the word and the light's going to fill up the whole room. Man, I'm so uncomfortable when I do that. The second thing that you're going to notice is when you start to walk in darkness is you don't want to read the Bible anymore because have you ever noticed that when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing and you're reading through the Bible, the passage you are reading for that particular day is about the thing you shouldn't be doing that you're doing right then. Have you noticed that? You you have to ask yourself, how do he know? You know, how does he know? So you stop reading the Bible. You stop going to church. And then the next thing that happens is you don't want to hang out with other believers because those who are walking in the light are a condemnation to those who aren't. You get around people who are walking in fellowship with God and are doing what they should do and you start going in your little direction that you've developed as a believer and you discover you feel greatly, greatly uncomfortable. So John says one of the ways you can lose your joy is to forget about the power of sin and start to walk in darkness, to avoid the light, not to do what you know to do. Now, the condemnation for this, we've already seen the claim. If we say that we walk in the light and we walk in darkness, we lie. But notice the condemnation, verse 6 of chapter 1. We lie and we do not practice the truth. John says that those who say they're walking in the light and they're walking in darkness are lying. I mean, that's pretty evident. And they're not practicing the truth. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? It's a facetious question, isn't it? You don't have any. Now, in every one of these three little illustrations John is going to give us, and the first one's a little bit longer than the second two, he's going to give us three things. He's going to give us the claim that we make and the condemnation that the Word of God puts on that claim, and he's going to give us the cure for it. So you may not have liked the first two points, but you should like the cure. Listen up now. The cure is in 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So you say, Pastor, you just caught me already in this message. I'm a Christian, but I've started to get back in the darkness a little bit. I'm starting to avoid the light. (laughs) 
What do I do? Well, here's what you do. Two things. Number one, the changing of your walk. Notice verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. What that means is you're walking along here and you started to walk into the darkness. And all of a sudden you are confronted with this truth. What is your response? You turn away and you walk back toward the light. You walk back toward the church. You walk back toward the word. You walk back toward your Christian friends and you begin to live again. You repent. To repent means to change your direction, to go 180 the other way and start to walk. You say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, be obedient and do it. Just do it. You know, I don't know why we have to feel like everything that's good. We have to just do some things. Can I get a witness? How many of you felt like getting up this morning? I'm glad you got up. I'm thankful that you did. You have to do it. And John says, if you're walking in the darkness, you have to change your direction and you have to begin to walk in the light. Now notice, not only is there the changing of our walk, but there's the cleansing of our heart. He says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to get the impact of this. When we recognize that we have been walking in the darkness and we turn from the darkness and repent of our sin and begin to walk in the light, here is God's wonderful promise to us. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Literally, what this means is that the blood of Jesus keeps on constantly cleansing us from the sins of omission and the sins of ignorance and the sins we know nothing about in our lives because we have not grown in grace enough to see that they are really sin. That there's an automatic cleansing that goes on in our hearts when we are determined to walk in the light. Did you know that? That when we are doing as we believe God wants us to do to the best of our knowledge, the Bible says God provides for us this automatic cleansing of the sins we don't even know about. How many of you think that you may have committed some sins this week that you are not aware of. So what do you do with those? (laughs) The Bible says when you walk in fellowship with the Lord, he cleanses those sins. He makes them clean. What a wonderful promise that is. You don't have to lose your joy. If you're in that situation, two things. Change your walk and accept the cleansing of the Lord. And you can have joy again. It's that simple. No, it's not easy believism. It's just the simple truth of the word of God. We forfeit our joy because we deny the power of sin. Now notice, secondly, here's the next if we say, we forfeit our joy when we deny the presence of sin. And this is in verses 8 and following. Here's the claim. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin. Now there were some in John's day, as in ours, who declared that when a person became a follower of Christ, his sin nature was eradicated. There are well-known Bible teachers today who teach that a believer has only one nature, and that's the good nature. He doesn't have a sin nature. I do not know what in the world they do with this particular verse. And when somebody tells me they don't have a sin nature anymore, I always want to slap them upside the head, don't you? See what happens. (laughs) See if if they respond uh, and turn the other cheek. I think you can probably solve that argument pretty quickly along the way, don't you? The other thing is if a guy says, I don't have a sin nature, I want to talk to his wife. How about that? (laughs) Well, the condemnation of such a claim, according to 1 John 1, 8, is if we say that, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. A person who says that they have no sin nature is simply leading himself astray. The truth is not changed. God is not deceived by their empty claim. And most believers aren't fooled either. John says that the truth is not in him. 
When we walk in darkness instead of light, we are deceiving others about our relationship with God. When we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. Hmm. There's still more of this, and we'll tackle it tomorrow here on Turning Point as we begin this month together with our eyes set on Christmas. But in the meantime, studying some of these wonderful truths from uh, the first epistle of John. And uh, we'll be back with more of that tomorrow. Hey, we told you at the beginning that our resource for the month is now here. It's the beautiful devotional Every Day with Jesus. Be among the first to request your copy. This beautiful devotional takes you through every day of the whole year with a devotional reading. And and it's just beautiful. It's designed in leather. It's yours for the asking. When you send your gift today, please ask for the devotional. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Living in the Light, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's filled with daily encouragement for 2022, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org. radio This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Living in the Light, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather-soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Most Christians are familiar with agape, the most important word for love in the New Testament. But there is an equally important word used in the Old Testament to describe God's love, and that is a Hebrew word that means loyal love. Throughout the Old Testament, God affirmed His loyal love toward the nation of Israel. Loyalty doesn't mean you always agree. 
but it does mean you keep your promises and stand by your word. We know God is loyal to us, but do those we love know that we are loyal to them? Take the opportunity to communicate and demonstrate your loyal love to those in your life. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's loyal love on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.